The Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations will shortly present Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air in The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Meanwhile, here on Rigid A. Usher, the podcast, we offer you the simulcast edition, live from Yorkshire. Mr. Usher will play all the key parts. Gentlemen, the director of the Geisley Civic Theater and star of these broadcasts, Orsum Wellingtons. Hey, now the knows now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world were being watched over by intelligences greater than man's and yet as mortal as his own. We know now that as human beings busied themselves minding their own business, they were poked in body, like that brainy fellow with a microscope having a gander at yonder creatures that swarm and do unspeakable things in a drop of water. <laughs> we, we cut the rest of this because it were a bit poncy. Any road, it was near the end of October. Business was better. More men were back at work down pit. Sales were picking up. And so was our lad, grabbing what coal he could as it fell off the back of old Sam Hecklethwaite, the Coleman's barrier. <laughs> On this particular evening, October 30th, at the Geisley service estimated that 32 million... Uh, uh, 32 people were listening in on wireless. For the next 24 hours, not much change in temperature. A slight atmospheric disturbance of undetermined origin is reported over Barnsley, causing a low-pressure area to move down rather rapidly over the northeastern region, bringing a forecast of rain accompanied by winds of light gale force. Maximum temperature 66, minimum 48. This weather report comes to you from the Geisley Weather Bureau. We now take you to the Meridian Room in the Hotel Park Plaza in downtown Goul, where you will be entertained by what we hope will be amusing comedy material. The Richard Usher Podcast. Assorted audio antics from Larynx Productions. Written and presented by Richard Usher. Welcome along to the ninth edition of my comedy podcast, specially prepared for October and this season of mists and mellow fruitfulness. Yes, we're in cliché and poetic mood once more, as we enter my favourite season of the year, the autumn, or, if you're listening in the US of A, the fall, something many people over there are hoping Donald Trump will do, perhaps on his own sword. Uh, We began, of course, with that little tribute to the broadcast on the 30th of October 1938, of War of the Worlds, which caused widespread panic across America. You can expect more bizarre recreations of historic events as the programme unfolds. That's really what we're all about. In addition to a bit of twistry, you also hear the latest grumblings from our resident Master of Mirth, Ben Bernard. Now, the autumn months are very much a time of change, and back on the 3rd of October 1906, 
change was very much in the offing for the International Emergency Distress Signal. During a conference in Germany, a new call sign was devised and adopted. Uh, this, Sir James, is the uh, nerve centre of our new facility. Uh, we received the funding shortly after one of our patrons attended the Berlin Radiotelegraphic Conference. Ah, yes, marvellous. Uh, just the sort of thing that would centre on my nerves. A dreaded conference on radio watsonography. <laughs> and in Berlin, too. <laughs> Give me a glass of brandy and a round of toasted muffins over a conference in Berlin any day of the week. <laughs> ah, well... Uh, Anyway, Sir James, uh, this is where we, uh, we test the new radio-telegraphic equipment, and uh, as the world is now adopting the new SOS call uh, as the accepted call sign for uh, distress. It, what was wrong with the old call sign? I, I love the old call sign. CQD, CQD. Used it often. <laughs> well, it was felt that SOS was a much easier call sign due to its radiation and its unmistakable character. Uh, there's no special significance in the letters themselves. Uh, it can be sent together as one string, you see, with no stops, so you can send it out very quickly and with very little power needed to transmit. Uh, uh, pardon me for asking, Sir Jim, but when, when do you say you often used it? Oh, by Jovius. <laughs> Had one of those uh, Morse gadgets made for my personal use. <laughs> it, it had to be portable, mind. <laughs> Took it everywhere with me. I, I wasn't aware that you were a keen sailor, Sir James. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> Steer well clear from sailors. <laughs> they get far too close to fish. <laughs> hate fish. <laughs> no, I, I used my telegraph machine in town. <laughs> Sometimes at home, but mostly on the move in town. But sending out emergency distress calls when you're not in danger, that's incredibly irresponsible, Sir James. No, no, no. I, I only used it in the direst of emergencies. Uh, I'd set out to meet up with old Charlie Pinkerton Brown and his mousy little wife Gwendolyn. Uh, and they'd start jabbering on about all sorts of boring nonsense. They're telling me, what's a man to do? Be bored to death by photographic prints of their offspring, or uh, uh, tales of taking the water in Darlington. <laughs> More than I could stand, uh, most distressing. So I, I'd send out the call, CQD, CQD. And within minutes, all my chums from the Savoy Rotters Club would burst into the place, and we'd have a wonderful bun fight to boot. <laughs> Marvellous. But, Sir James, what exactly did you think CQD stood for? <laughs> Anything you like, old boy. <laughs> In this case, it was company quite drab. Uh, but it might easily have been come quick, drink, or possibly Chinatown quality dinner, uh, followed by the initials of the restaurant, of course. <laughs> Do you know some dashed impudent fellow once told me that it was for the sole use of seafaring types? <laughs> Something along the lines of come quick drowning, I'd imagine. <laughs> what a waste. But but this new SOS call sign. Dash silly idea, if you ask me. I mean, what's it meant to be? A silly old sausage? <laughs> Supper out, Sydney? <laughs> Some have suggested save our ship, Sir James. Ha! Soft on sailors would be more like it. Bloody seafarers. It's all those fish out there to blame, you know. <laughs> MMP would be better. More macaroons pronto. <laughs> now that's a call sign and uh, no mistake. <laughs>
The autumn months often have us thinking about warmer climes, perhaps holidays abroad, mourning perhaps for the passing of the summer. But more than likely, the idea of a cosy pub with a roaring fire and fine yet reasonably priced ales and ciders on sale and the company of people who boost our egos starts to appeal. Now, if you happen to do this in Somerset in 1967 and happen to be stupid enough to have driven your car to the pub that night, you might have got a shock. A breathalyzer was used for the very first time. Oh dear, what a nuisance. Good evening, sir. Are you the owner of this vehicle? Um, yes, officer. W what appears to be the trouble? May I just ask, sir, uh, have you been imbibing any alcohol this evening? Good heavens, no. Zero tolerance, me. Never touch a drop when driving. What's the problem, officer? I, I wasn't speeding. Well, it's a bit tricky, you see, sir. Uh, we got these new breathalyzer gizmos we have to use, and uh, unfortunately, uh, we've had to pull the chief constable over. He's in a lay-by about 500 yards back. Had a bit too much of the old spider, if you get my meaning, sir. <laughs> Good Lord. Well, what does this have to do with me? <laughs> well, sir, we're all men of the world, aren't we? <laughs> and we don't want to upset the boss now, do we? <laughs> Christmas bonus round the corner and all that. <laughs> we just wondered, sir, if uh, you'd be charitable enough to blow into this here uh, breathalyzer as a sort of... Uh, Breath surrogate for the chief. <laughs> and in return, sir, we'll give you one of these. The ticket? Uh, no, sir, it's a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. <laughs> Valid for any minor misdemeanors you may commit in the next 12 months. Murder, kidnap and rape not included. Terms and conditions apply. Underwritten by Lloyds in London. Now, you'd think that most film and TV productions would have made the best of the summer weather and got themselves out and about to get material in the can long before October. Well, I know from personal experience that quite a few productions have only just started up, which means the life of a film extra becomes that little bit more complex. One man who wishes he'd bought some new thermal underwear for just this eventuality is the master of mirth, Ben Bernard. Log off, Ben Bernard. Time for my close-up. You find me sat in the corner of a large tent, dressed in a proportionately large dressing gown. It's covering up my skin-tight green lycra bodysuit. Oh, embarrassing. A man of my age and dignity, reduced to dressing up like an obese Batman villain, who's overindulged on steak. Oh, griddle me this, griddle me that. I blame my agent, Tony Tatin Jr., I'll get you some film work, he says. Ooh, I immediately start ruminating on being part of the relaunch of the classic healing comedies, or perhaps the, the reboot of the Carry On series. My showbiz star very much on the rise. The, the wife says that knowing Tony, I'll end up in Boots the Chemist developing holiday snaps. I told our dealer that it's all digital these days. This is Cleethorpe's jury posts. Aye, I mean, she has her point. Any role, what my agent and showbiz whiz actually had in mind was the role of supporting artists. To the average man in the street, it, it sounds amazing. The glamour of the movie world. Hobnobbing with the likes of Angelina Jolie, 
perhaps sharing a scene or two with Sir Michael Kane, perhaps Dame Judy Dench, he trips to Pinewood, Shepperton and the like, firing laser guns and blowing stuff up. The reality is, is somewhat different to course. We're in the middle of a, an industrial park in the process of being demolished, somewhere between Doncaster and Rotherham. It's a closely guarded secret. I have to drive to a boggy field next to a car park, because of course we're not allowed to park anywhere secure that might cost the production company a few quid. And it's not the easiest thing to find at 6am with a dodgy postcode for your sat-nav gizmo. It's perishing cold, lashing with rain from time to time, and there's hundreds of us lining up to sign a limp bit of carbon paper and grab a lukewarm bacon bap and a polystyrene cup of tea. Of course, I'm being featured, aren't I? Now that doesn't mean I'll be on screen with anyone famous. But what it does mean is that while every other chuffing extra is dressed up snug and warm in jumpers and overcoats, yours truly is being green screened, which involves this lycra onesie and a dodgy makeup job on my face. It's also they can drop my head into a stadium crowd to make up the numbers. Saves them hiring more extras. I wouldn't mind so much, but when I asked the assistant director about folks spotting the same fizzog in the crowd over and over again, he tells me that the casting director chose me specifically because my face was eminently forgettable. Does not boost your ego, this movie-making business. He. Time for My Close-Up was written, performed, edited and produced by Richard Usher. Blog Off Ben Bernard is a Larynx production. listening to the Richard Usher podcast and if you hadn't realized it yet I am he or he is me anyway back on the 9th of October in 1876 the inventor Alexander Graham Bell and his assistant Thomas Watson made their longest telephone call to date they got the biggest bill to date later that month uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ah, finally my shots are improving this could revolutionise the game. Good afternoon, Thomas Watson speaking. Watson, why has the telephone been engaged for the last 20 minutes? Ah, I, I've just been trying out the apparatus, uh, experimenting with different uses. Step into my office, Watson. I want to see you. What's this new use for my telephone apparatus, Watson? Well, it works a treat as a golf club, Mr. Bell. The cord makes it ultra-flexible and the receiver has the perfect... Never mind that, Watson. Whoever heard of playing games with a telephone? That would never catch up. Very good, sir. Uh, Why did you wish to see me, Mr. Bell? Ah, yes. A very exciting development. Look at this, Watson. A book? Surely that's already been invented, sir. Yes, of course. But this, Watson, is a type of directory. Listings for all those purchasing our telephones. See here, each entry comes with a card with a photographic portrait of the user. I thought we might call it a Facebook. The great Mr. Bell also invented a method of staying in touch with all his former girlfriends. Yes, it was his ex-directory.
<clears throat> uh, one gentleman you definitely would not want in your phone contacts list was the notorious Dr Hawley Crippen, who was found guilty of poisoning his wife back on the 22nd of October 1910. Hawley Harvey Crippen, you have been indicted for and charged on coroner's inquisition with the willful murder of Cora Crippen, otherwise Belle Elmore. It is the finding of this court that you are guilty of willful murder. You are hereby sentenced to be taken from this place to be executed by hanging at Pentonville Prison at 9am on the morning of Wednesday the 23rd of October. And may God have mercy on your soul. Uh, pardon me, Your Honor. Silence! <laughs> Such impudence. Take him away. But, but if I could just... Last words from a condemned man. Hmm. I am not without mercy. Speak, sir. Well, it's just that throughout the proceedings, I couldn't help but notice that sometimes you, uh, you winced, Your Honor. And, uh, well, I, I am a dentist, Your Honor. Uh, you're sure uh, you, you, you wouldn't like me to take a look? <clears throat> Maybe not. Well, uh... Could I suggest that in, uh, instead of hanging me tomorrow, uh, I mean, time's money, uh, I, I've got some bottles of gin derived from Hembane, uh, lovely Jimson wheat whiskey, or uh, a cocktail garnished with uh, angels' trumpets and cork wood. L let me imbibe one of those, and Bob's your uncle. Now, uh, watch your poison. More twistery every month here on the Richard Usher podcast. And if you have any suggestions for iconic moments in history you'd like to hear being tinkered with, then just get in touch. You can also subscribe to the podcast and leave us your comments via iTunes and the website richardusher.co.uk. Now, football is a big part of the autumn months, and it was on the 24th of October in 1857 that the very first football club was formed by a group of Cambridge University old boys. And it all kicked off during their meeting in Sheffield. I say, Miss Daniel, old chap. <laughs> yes, William? You recall that informal kickabout we had at the cricket club a couple of years ago? Oh, yes, that was a day. <laughs> Five broken legs, a fractured jaw and several lacerations. <laughs> and that was just the after-game drinks in the club bar. Oh, yes, but the game was simply awful. No place kick. Chaps walloping the ball to around 40 or 50 yards from the goal. Other fellows pushing, hacking and tripping all over the place. <laughs> no decorum. What football needs are some official rules. It needs guidelines on how to play the game. We should form a club. A club with proper rules. Oh, my word, yes. Splendid notion. <laughs> and think of the prestige. Another first for Britain, what? <laughs> We could have uh, sensible rules, uh, practical rules, and, and some rules that'll just baffle spectators. An offside rule. What's that? Haven't a clue. Brilliant. We'll put it in. <laughs> and of course, we'll have to introduce some sort of uh, league system to accommodate all the, all the teams once it becomes popular. Which it will. You mark my pitch. Ah, but what if a player decides to switch allegiances? Hmm? Play for a different team. What? Move from a Yorkshire team to a Lancashire team? Something like that? 
Ooh, best we put in some sort of financial clause, then. <laughs> a sort of transfer fee, you mean? Aye, a couple of quid if they switch teams. That'll make them ponder, have a word with themselves. Oh, a few, a few shillings, surely. Two pounds is a little overpricing thing, don't you think? <laughs> It'll never get that out of hand. From one field of combat to another, and this time we travel back to 1854. It was on the 25th of October that Lord Cardigan led the legendary Charge of the Light Brigade during the Battle of Balaclava. You can see which history book's most clothing designers used to read. Major Stuart, new orders, old chap. We're to attack the Russians. The Russians, my lord? Surely that must be a mistake. Uh, Balaclava is progressing exactly as you planned, General. Uh, we're pressing home a victory for sure. Send in the light cavalry, Major Stuart. A full charge. Time for charge! Magnificent sight, eh, Major? That'll sort those Russians out. What the Shakespeare is that? It's the field telephone, sir. Hello, General Cardigan speaking. Good afternoon, General. Lord Raglan for you. It's a reverse charge call. Oh, bugger. And that brings us to the waving of the white flag on yet another Richard Usher podcast. I'll leave you with this tale from the 27th of October 1901, when we saw the first use of what became known as a getaway car, when thieves robbed a shop in Paris and sped away. Ta-ta. Uh, bonjour, madame. Bonjour, monsieur. Parlez-vous anglais? Uh, non, monsieur. Oh, blimey. I knew I should have stayed on at night school like my old man wanted me to. Right. Ceci est un baton. Oui, monsieur. Un baton. No, no, you're not quite getting this, are you, love? No, no. Stick up. Oh, no. Uh, non, monsieur. Baton on O. Whose idea was it to go continental with this next heist? Go abroad, says Clubber Brownlow. Change of scenery. Foreign rosers won't know us abroad. Didn't consider the language barrier, did he? Right. Hope he's got the car ready. Hand over all the cash. Feet! Feet! Come on, Clubber! What the heck are you doing? Why isn't the car running? This is our big getaway. It's not my fault. I'm cranking it like crazy. Those French coppers will be on us soon. Quick, flag down that next car. Papa? Nicole? What the heck are you doing in Paris? The new Renault Clio getaway. The most reliable automobile in France. Available from all continental dealerships at favourable terms. Only a two shilling down payment. Terms and conditions apply. Full credit available. APR 67% non variable. Thank you, Brexit. You have been enduring the award avoiding Richard Usher podcast. Written, performed, edited, and produced by Richard Usher. Jazz comedy theme courtesy of bensound.com. The Richard Usher Podcast 
is a Larynx production. Hey!